0: Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. It's a very simple invitation. It's a very simple passage. But over the next couple of months, we are going to be diving deep into that simple invitation. What does it really mean to come and follow the real Jesus? Have you thought about that? What does it really mean for you to follow the real Jesus? I'm not talking about the Jesus that we've created as a westernized religious institution. Okay, so you guys are not cool with me going there? Or you are? Okay. Um, I'm talking about the real Jesus. The Jesus that raised the dead. The Jesus that walked on water. The Jesus that took a Long John Silver's kids meal and fed 5,000 people with it. Like the real Jesus, the Jesus who said what needed to be said, the Jesus who was crucified, the Jesus who resurrected on the third day, the Jesus whom sin could not hold down, the Jesus who the grave could not hold back, the Jesus who saves you from your sin, the Jesus who sets you free from your shame. I'm talking about the only real true Savior, the only way to get to the Father, the real Jesus. Not, not, Not the Jesus, you know, we talk about. I'm talking about the Jesus who wants to know you the Jesus who wants to be intimately acquainted with you, the Jesus who wants to speak to you, the Jesus who wants to speak through you, the Jesus who wants to move in you, to catch you up and cause you to play a role in his re- redemptive plan for all of humanity so that the nations could be set on fire with the power of the gospel. That's the Jesus I'm talking about today. So, are you guys cool to go there? Um, because I'm already excited. I mean, I just I marinated on this this week. And as we're starting, I just want y'all to pray for me, like legit, like intercede for me. Because I'm kind of afraid of the word I'm going to bring to you today. All right, I, no, I'm, I, You guys are funny because you guys are like, all right, Yeah. <laughs> And uh, don't get too excited just yet, because for me, like, it normally takes me a few days to put together a message, and this message just kind of came together all in a couple of hours. I remember reading it back, and I said, oh, God, are you sure? All right, so here we go. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 through 20, going to read our text for the next couple of months. We're, we're doing, like, several months of a sermon series, so this should get festive. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me, and I will cause you to sit on a church pew for 40 years and do nothing for the gospel. (laughs) Did he say that? I said we're talking about the real Jesus today, okay? Yes. <laughs> Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. Let's all say that last line together. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. So if I could take a little bit of, uh, you know, just leeway with the text i'm going to add one word to that last line today which is immediately they left their safety nets and followed him you guys know what a safety net is i mean we all know what a safety net is practically right it's that thing that catches acrobats If they fall, it's that thing that they drape over the street when they're working on really high buildings. So that if a construction worker would happen to fall, it would break their fall and save their life, right? But metaphorically, a safety net is something that I think that we all have a tendency to try and pack around as we follow the real Jesus. Metaphorically, a safety net is a safeguard against possible hardship or adversity. And I know that we would all like to, I would like to, I'm, I'm, I'm saying all of us as a blanket statement, and I'm, I mean, I'm not, I don't know if I'm 100% accurate here, but I think that we would all like to follow after Jesus and live a seemingly calm, comfortable, joy-filled life. But unfortunately, any person that Jesus actually calls must become a person acquainted with sacrifice. So it's pretty much impossible to follow Jesus with your hands full. Because Jesus wants to give you tools to set people free. Jesus wants to give you keys to unlock the shackles from the nations. But you can't set people free. You can't co-labor with the Spirit of God to see people delivered if your hands are full of your safety nets. If you're hoping to insulate or protect yourself from any expression of hard work or sacrifice with Jesus. Come on. Yeah. So today the message I have for you is leave your safety nets. A safety net could be a thing. It could also be a person that you're holding on to that holds you back from following Jesus wholeheartedly. That's what I'm going to use as a definition for a safety net today. Sometimes it's a thing. Sometimes it's a person. Most often it is sin. Let's be honest, right? Most often it is disobedience. Oftentimes it is also shame, right? We're caught up in our shame. Or how about this? Fear. I'm afraid of saying yes to Jesus because I don't know what he's going to ask me to do. I'm afraid of having a devotional prayer time with the Lord because I'm afraid He might ask me to be a missionary. So so I'm not being real yet. Okay, I'm going to try to dive deeper here. I'm afraid, you know, of asking God what I should do with my career, with my money, with my relationships, because I'm afraid of what He may ask me to give up. Are you guys with me today? Are you taking notes already? Okay, I'm, trying to, I'm watching you. I'm trying to figure out. Am I, I don't know if you're afraid of what I'm going to say, but before Peter and Andrew could respond to Jesus' invitation, and before we can really respond to his invitation, they had to let go of something. They had to let go of their safety nets. And let's not try and short sell this. Let's be honest about what their nets were. For Peter and Andrew to leave their nets and follow Jesus, that meant that they were leaving behind their careers, their financial stability and security, their family business, perhaps the approval of their family, perhaps the approval of their parents. They were leaving behind their normal. I know this sounds fun and adventurous, especially for young people before we have any assets. I found it to be easy. To be a missionary at 19. You could be radical at 20. Be like, I'm so abandoned. Like, you don't have any kids. (laughs) Wait till you get some kids. And then we're going to see how abandoned you are. Okay, so radical is consistently burning for Jesus in season and out of season. I got one kids, I got 14 kids. I got no job, I got a good paying job. I got no insurance, I got great insurance. I got no car, I'm riding the bus, I got a great car because I got a raise and a promotion. Like to really be radical is to burn for Jesus in season and out of season. Doesn't matter how long you've been living for God, you're still on fire. Amen. Amen. Good. Don't retire, yeah. just refire. Just keep going. They had to let go of their normal. Yeah, it was fun. It was adventurous. But it was scary. It was risky. And in the Gospels, this experience of leaving everything. Everybody say everything. everything. And following Jesus is not unusual. In fact, it is the routine way that Jesus calls his disciples. This is the normal Average, expected way that Jesus invites us to follow him. He says, I want you to abandon everything. Now, undoubtedly, Jesus is appealing, right? He's attractive. One of his names is the desire of the nations. And so when we see him, we want to follow him. He's beautiful. Amen? When we see Jesus, we want to be around him. And all of us have been uniquely invited to follow him. I don't know how you were invited to follow him. I assume that he has invited you to follow him, which is why you're here today. If not, I believe he'll invite you before you leave here today. Amen. And however it looked like for you, whatever the call was, whenever you were on your boat, holding onto your safety nets, and Jesus said, come and follow me. I don't know what it was that you had to give up. But I do know this, that you're never going to not stop giving things up. For Jesus the sacrifice is continual throughout our life of faith if you are a Christian I can guarantee that your lifestyle will be well associated with sacrifice because that is the way of following the real Jesus not an idol but the real Jesus no matter the unique context in the Gospels, this conversation surrounding, following Jesus always included great sacrifice. Not a smidge of sacrifice, not a convenient sacrifice, not a sacrifice when the timing was just right, when the temperature in the room was just right, when they played that one song that I really liked, but like the sacrifice was consistent. Yeah. Amen. And that's the way it's always been. You look throughout church history, that's the way uh, it's always been. Consider these scriptures. Matthew 8, Jesus said, follow me and leave the, leave the dead to bury their own dead. This was just a guy who had gotten caught up in the attractiveness of Jesus Christ. He had gotten caught up in the beauty of the Messiah. He said, man, I want to follow you, but my father is on his deathbed. He's about to die. Jesus said, hey, let the dead bury their own dead. Come and follow me. That sounds tough, doesn't it? Matthew 16, 24, then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now, I know today crosses, um, you know, they're, they're, they're beautiful, right? The, the cruciform is the most beautiful thing that we can see. No, it's the most beautiful thing ever. And today we wear crosses around our necks. We get cross tattoos, right? I mean, rappers have crosses, two of them, you know? And, and, and. And and, and it's cool, right? But what Jesus was saying then was the equivalent of Jesus saying today, hey, come and follow me and then take up your noose. I mean, that's what he's saying. He's saying, "Hey, hey, get your electric chair and then follow me. Hey, I want you to get your capital punishment and then follow me. Like Jesus wasn't mincing words. He didn't have enough time for all that. He was very clear. He was very plain. He was very direct. I'm inviting you to follow me, and it's going to be adventurous. This is the path of life. I am the person of joy, but I don't, want to, I don't want you to get it confused. This is going to cost you everything, but guess what? You're going to get everything in return. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be awesome. You're going to be with me in paradise, but you're going to have to see a cross first. Because the new life that we all have received in Jesus does not begin until we die first. Jesus invites us to follow him, which is him inviting us to die. I told you it was a hard word today. You guys are good with it. Matthew 19 and 21, Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, then go and sell what you possess and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. The rich and young ruler, he was like, man, I've done everything. I've kept the law. I went to Sunday school since I was two like I, I've done everything i i I serve in the kids, I tithe, I do you know he, he I do all these things for you He said, oh that's great, you're awesome, you're almost there but but you know that thing that you've been holding on to while trying to follow God, that one thing that you've been holding back from God, and you've said, Lord, anything but not this Lord anything but not this God anything but but that relationship, God anything but my position, God anything but That account. God, anything. No, he says, that's the one thing. That's the one thing that you need to let go of. Because that is your safety net. That is your just-in-case fund. That is the thing that you're holding back from God just in case he does not come through for you. Do you really trust him? Do you really trust Jesus? Because trust looks like not holding anything back from him. Anything that we hold back from God is an indicator of where we don't trust God. I'm going to try this side. Y'all didn't realize. I thought that was pretty good. But anything that we hold back from God is an indicator of where we don't trust God. Any place. But Jesus said, hey, come, come follow me. If you're going to follow Jesus, you can write this down. If you, don't, if you only take one note today, if you only post one tweet today, this is it. If you're going to follow Jesus, sacrifice is not optional. Sacrifice is so built into the lifestyle of following Jesus that if you remove it, you can no longer follow Jesus. If you, if you remove it, you, you no longer have real Christianity. Jesus invites us all uniquely, and we all must sacrifice uniquely. I don't know what He's going to ask you to let go of in order to follow Him. That is up to Him. But I do know this. If you're going to follow Jesus, you're never going to stop sacrificing. None of us mature beyond sacrifice. We never outgrow sacrifice. None of us will ever follow Jesus and not sacrifice. Reason being is because he's not safe. Jesus is a radical revolutionary. And if you choose to follow him, you will live in such a way that will challenge the world as it is. You will go against the grain of culture and you will live in direct opposition to the principalities and powers. That's risky, that's adventurous, but it's scary, and that's the type of stuff you get crucified for. Now, I'm talking about following Jesus, I'm not talking about civil religion. Civil religion is devoted to maintaining the current cultural context and the status quo. But Jesus has come to change the world. So if you're really going to follow Jesus, you're going to upset some people. Because Jesus is Lord is the statement that Christians make. But that statement is a challenge to the world as it is. Because a whole lot of people are bowing their knee to other things before Jesus. You guys get anything out of this? So if you're going to follow the real Jesus, you're going you're to cut against the grain of the culture. You're going to offend some people. And here's the thing. If you're, if you're bent on protecting your reputation, you cannot be devoted to following Jesus. Because Jesus will put you in some places where people will attack your character, your reputation, your personality. And they'll say, that's not, that's not, that's not. And so that's where you get the opportunity to do real justice. Which is what love looks like in public. And forgive and wash dirty feet even when people are throwing stones in your direction. If you're going to live like Jesus, you will sacrifice. And here's why. Because to be like Jesus, you have to be a good forgiver. And so, Jesus is going to make sure you get in enough situations where you need to forgive people. <laughs> well, I don't want anybody to ever offend me. Well, you're never going to learn how to forgive. You think you're in warfare. Maybe God led you to Gethsemane. Okay, whatever. Okay, okay, I don't know. I don't know if y'all are going to get with me or not. But here's the thing. Sacrifice and Christianity are completely linked You could try to separate the two, but you cannot find one contributor to our faith in the Bible that did not live a life completely familiar with sacrifice. If you divorce sacrifice from Christianity, then you make Christianity incomprehensible. A theologian that I enjoy, Walter Brueggemann, he said the gospel is a very dangerous idea. Right? And then he said this, we must see how much of this dangerous idea that we can live out in our lives. C.S. Lewis said, I didn't become a Christian to be happy. I always knew a bottle of port would make me happy. Right? right? Yeah, it will. I mean, that's what C.S. Lewis said. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he said, I didn't become a Christian to, to make myself happy. I became a Christian because it's true. And if it's true, then what does that mean for the way that you live? Was Jesus joking when he said, hey, if any man, it sounds like that includes us, what do you guys think? If any woman, if any person wants to follow me, they're going to need to deny themselves. That means that they, they die. They exempt themselves from the privilege of having preferences. And they pick up their cross. They pick up the very thing that's going to. Take their life from them, and they're going to follow me. Right. Come on. That's why it's important to come to church because yeah. you can't crucify yourself. Wow. <laughs> Man. It, it, I could try. Right? I could put the nail in my feet, right? I, could, I got two hands. I could put the nail in my feet. I could put the other nail in one of my hands. But see, that other hand, I need you to nail it down for me. See, I can't be dead in isolation. I need... Okay. All right. Okay. I, <laughs> I I can't I can't stay living the vibrant life that Christ has called me to in isolation. You'll be too tempted to to get off your cross and to think that it's all about you. Wow! wow. I I'm, I feel like I'm preaching about forty two percent better than you are saying Amen. I can't I can't tell. Are you guys okay? On, uh, okay. I got I got a lot to do in seven minutes. But here's the thing: like a lot of is it okay if I generalize a little bit? I mean, I might be reaching, but I'm doing my best. I think that a lot of people don't follow Jesus because they're holding on to their safety nets instead of following Jesus. Everybody say instead. 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 So, so uh, the, the, the uh, illustration I want to give you is the picture of someone that has been invited to follow Jesus, but they stay in their boat holding on to their safety nets. And here's the thing, they think that they're spiritual because Jesus keeps revisiting their shoreline. And they have experiences with Christ, but they're not actually following him. He's just so faithful that he comes by every now and then to give you another glimpse, to give you another invitation of what your life could be like. But instead of giving off the boat and into following him, you spiritualize your dysfunction and say, that's for somebody else. Right? And truly, it's fear. But a lot of times we spiritualize our fear, don't we? Well, God never spoke to me about that. Well, it seems like he was pretty clear. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20. Seems like he was pretty clear when he said, anybody... Who wants to come after me? Anybody who confesses me? Anybody who calls me a Christian? You're going to live a life that's acquainted with sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh? So I think a lot of people are not following Jesus uh, because they're in the boat. Even though Jesus has invited them, they have seen him. He has compelled them to come. They've chosen to stay on the boat holding on. Onto their safety nets. I think one good excuse is, well, God would never want me to do anything that would be tough on me or my family. Really? Because it seems like Jesus and his family went through a lot. It seems like every single person who followed him in the Gospels, they went through a lot. It seems like that every single person in the first several hundred years that considered themselves to be Christians did not need a word study to determine what Jesus meant when he said, pick up your cross. They knew what it meant. They said, this is a risk of my reputation at the very least. It's a risk of my life on a daily basis. I might lose my career. I might lose my personality. I might lose my influence. I might lose my following. I might lose my family. I might lose my money. They knew what it meant. Hey, Matthew 10 and 37 says, Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whatever the excuse that you might have, and it's okay, all right? I, wanna, I want you to know I'm not trying to, like, batter you if you feel this way. I'm trying to encourage you to be honest before God. Like, if it offends your mind to reveal your heart, I'm okay with that. But my goal is not to offend you. My goal is for us to get honest before the Lord. If we're afraid of getting out of the boat, then trust Him that He is well able to keep you. That He is well able to be with you. That He is well able to provide for you. That He is well able to speak to you. That He is well able to protect you. Like, if we don't trust Him then let us throw ourselves on the altar in repentance and say, God, forgive me. I repent, change my mind, transform me. I want to get out of my boat, but I'm afraid to get out of my boat. I'm afraid, like be honest, like the man that said, God, I believe, but help my unbelief. Get vulnerable. Before the Lord, he fashioned you. He already knows how you feel. You know, trying to hide how you feel from God is like playing hide and go seek with a two-year-old. You guys know what I'm talking about? My, I, I play How and Go Seek with Isaiah. he you know, get behind a curtain and he's like sticking out, you know, protruding a foot. Here, come find me. That's us trying to hide our emotions from God. He already knows where you are. He sees you right there, okay? It's just, just reveal yourself and say, look, let me be honest. I'm afraid of following you. I don't know what you're going to ask me to say. And then listen to see what he says. Because he probably will challenge you, but here's the thing. The the challenge will always be superseded by his love. And you will have all the love and the grace that you need to accomplish anything he asks. Because he won't ask anything of you that he has not already given you the grace to accomplish. God doesn't demand what God never deposited. If there's a demand, if you're feeling a tug on your speech, you're like, oh, God, you're after me. That's right, because he's putting something in you. He's already done it. Something's on the inside. He's trying to pull out. Yeah. come on, yeah. That's good. Hallelujah. I feel like I'm speaking prophetically to somebody in here. Some are not stuck holding their nets instead of following Jesus. And here's the thing. So if if we're stuck holding our nets instead of following Jesus, it's not really possible to follow Jesus. Because here's the thing. You can't follow Jesus from a distance. He moves too much. He's too mobile. Okay? Jesus is too agile. Every time they said, hey, let us make you king, he slipped away. Now, if that would have been one of us, we'd be like, yeah. (laughs) Parade. 100k followers. But then, when they said, Hey, they're here to crucify you, Jesus said, Here I am. When they tried to make him king, he slipped away. But when they came to persecute him, he presented himself. Look at your God. He had his priorities in order. He was cutting against the grain of culture. He wasn't riding in triumphantly on his war horse. He came in on a donkey coat. And he said, this is what triumph looks like in the kingdom. This is the subversive way of God that I would take the foolish things and confound the wise, that I would take a fisherman from Galilee with a low-level education who was afraid to get off the boat and follow me, but he did it anyway. He gave up what he thought was impossible to give up to find real life that was so powerful, so passionate, that he would be the one God would choose to start a church with. And that he would preach the gospel with passion and fervor in front of the people who a few days earlier crucified his friend. Some people are not, you know, staying in the boat instead of following Jesus. Now, let me finish here. Some people are stuck in the boat while, or excuse me, with their nets while trying to follow Jesus. You ever try to follow Jesus carrying around some safety nets? They get heavy. Right? So, like, you're trying to follow Jesus. We got these safety nets. (laughs) Just like, hey, drop the net, man. Let's go. Like, we're trying to move. We're trying to do some... So you can't follow Jesus from a distance, but you also can't follow Jesus with your hands full. You know, some Christians, and I want to be honest, some Christians are so tired. Like, like, I'm I'm being being real. Some Christians are so exhausted. And it's not because of what Jesus has given them to carry. No matter how great the call, no matter how much the sacrifice, when you carry only what Christ has called you to to carry, you don't get exhausted. I'm not saying you'll never need a vacation. I'm not talking about not resting. Jesus spent many hours alone away and resting with his friends. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying that when you carry around your nets and not what Christ has given you, you become emotionally exhausted. You are tired in your soul. You are weary in your heart. It bleeds over physically as well. You don't sleep or you sleep too much. You don't eat or you eat too much. You drink too much. You party. You numb yourself up so much so that you don't have to think about the load that you've been burdened by. You're exhausted. But all the while trying to follow Jesus with the nets in tow. I'm tired. I'm trying, Jesus. I'm trying. But I'm holding on to these nets. And when you carry what Christ has called you to carry, here's what the results are. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Come on. Matthew eleven thirty 30 says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So if you're carrying a heavy burden today, you're not carrying the one that God has for you. Are your nets heavy? Are you exhausted? Are you spent emotionally? Are you weary in your heart? Are you trying to follow Jesus, but it just feels like that you can never catch up? Drop the safety nets. Leave them. When you carry what Christ has called you to carry, even if that's a cross, it's light. And that's the good news. That you will be With me today in paradise. That's that shame, that sin. Go ahead, breathe it out. (sighs) Breathe your (sighs) last. Let it go. You're gonna be with me today in paradise. As long as you're holding on to that life, those nets, not gonna see paradise. The burden won't be lifted. Your life won't be light. You won't have adventure or real joy. You'll try to follow Jesus. You'll do. Your due diligence in following him, but be tired. But that is the good news. Now, I want to close with this, and I know I said I was closing earlier, but this is more of a prophetic last-minute thing, okay? And this is something I felt like God was directing me to share with you guys. Is it okay? So one of my friends, um, his name is Kale Mumby, and he's Canadian. I'm actually going to be with him uh, this week. He's a very interesting guy. He's a prophet. And he has dreams at night about top secret plans that government agencies have. And then he has meetings with diplomats and um, like top-tier governmental leaders. And he comes in and sits down and consults with them and helps them with strategy in different nations because of the dreams that God gives to them at night. And he comes in, he says, this is what I'm, this is what I dream. They're like, how'd you know that? That's top secret information. And he said, well, here's what I feel like the Lord is saying. So he consults with the government of Canada. That's right. He's like a Christian psychic, right? They're like, it's kind of funny, right? It's like, they're like, what, you know, what is, what is God saying? These people are not Christian. They're like, you, we know that you know something. He's actually been called into different countries in Africa to go do spiritual readings on the country. He'll pray, prayer walk for a week and give them a printout of a spiritual reading of different countries. Then they actually use what, use what the readout was as strategy on how to lead the nation. How crazy is that, right? Hey, that's, and he's, he's a pretty regular guy, just like a fisherman, he's a regular dude, he's a regular guy, just like, just like us, just like you and me. And uh, he texted me, he said, I had a dream about you, uh, oh boy, here we go, you know, uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> I oh my goodness, what's it going to be, I'm like, I hope it's good, I hope it's good, you know. And he was like, I had a, and he's really funny. He'll speak here one day. He, he said, I had a hilarious dream about you. And I said, oh, this is good. And he said, you were in your living room and you were getting ready to go live. Like you were getting ready to live stream. And, and, and you were going to teach about kingdom finance. And you were going to reveal some kingdom principles about money that would become the foundations of your movement. And as you prepared to preach about finance, you then rolled out this scroll. And you started to DJ on this scroll. And you started to rap about kingdom financial foundations. And then I looked at you again and you had your shirt off. I know it's funny. And you were wearing a silver cross and you were, and he, he told me I didn't have to share that part with you guys, but I did. And, um, and you were rapping about kingdom, kingdom, kingdom finance. And he, he, he was like, isn't that funny? And I was like, that's all true, right? That's all real. Like being in the living room, that speaks of family. That's where families gather. We say all the time, we're not just a ministry, we're a family. Having your shirt off, as weird as that is, it speaks of transparency and vulnerability. And here's the thing. I might be your pastor, but if this is a safe place for you, it gets to be a safe place for me. That means I get to be honest. That means I get to be real. That means I get to be vulnerable about like what's really going on in my life, right? And, and, and be honest. And this scroll speaks of ancient revelation in regards to how we steward finance. And the DJing and the rapping, I think that speaks to media and to music, to the creative spirit that rests upon our house. And so what I'm telling you guys is I think it's a prophetic word from the Lord that we get vulnerable in a family setting to receive from Him what He really wants to say about how we manage our money Because if we'll get open to hear from him about our finance, that a creative movement will be released from this house that will bring the kingdom to the nations. I I believe that. And and you know, here's the thing. Here's the thing about dropping the nets. If they didn't, if they didn't drop anything else. When they dropped their nets, they dropped their money. If they, if they didn't drop anything else, can, can, I, can, I, can I preach it to you with boldness? If they didn't drop anything else, they dropped their money. That was their job, man. That was their lifeline. That's how they fed their kids. That's how they paid their bills. That's how they did what they did. If they didn't drop anything else, they dropped their money. And This is what I wanted to end with. This is primarily why this was scary for me. But for some of us, we're not really following Jesus. We're following money. And I feel prophetically that God wants to address this in our house in this season. On a macro level, you may be a confessing Christian. But on a micro level, on your day-to-day, you're not following Jesus. You're following cash. And for some of us, money has become an idol. And we need to drop our nets. Jesus talked about money in 16 of his 38 parables. There are about 500 verses in the Bible on prayer, just under 500 verses in the Bible on faith, but more than 2,000 verses in the Bible on money and possessions. Let me be clear. God doesn't have a problem with you having money, but he has a problem with money having you. He He didn't have a problem with Peter owning a boat. Peter retained ownership of that boat. We see Peter fishing out of that boat, the day after Christ was crucified he kept the boat he didn't even sell the boat okay i'm not telling you that you need to leave your job i'm not telling you that you need to sell your boat if you got a boat <laughs> or your car or whatever it is you got what i what i'm telling you is is that if you need to check with your money before you say yes to god it's a time to repent and what i want to encourage you to do as your pastor today in the authority that god has graced me with and the permission that you guys you know, so lovingly have given me is I want to encourage you to tithe. Luke sixteen thirteen says, No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Now get this, you cannot serve God and money. That, that, that's what Jesus said. And here's the thing about tithing. This is the last thing I'm going to say, and I, I, this time I'm, I'm promising it's the last thing I'm going to say, but... You know, I I fast because when I fast, it's, it's a deliverance practice from my relationship with food. Now, listen to me. Please don't check out just yet. But like when I fast, I keep my physical appetite in check. Right? And I pray, even when I don't feel like it, because I I keep my spiritual appetite in check, right? I keep the appetite of my soul in check. It's the same way with tithing. We keep the relationship that we have with money in check. We communicate to our money who our God is. Hey, you're not my God. You're not in charge of my life. You don't run this house. Jesus runs this house. And so I give, and I give happily, joyfully, because I am communicating to my money. You're not in charge. All right. So I just want to ask you to stand. And as you do, I'm going to read this last scripture and we'll pray and leave out. We're not taking up an offering. Doesn't that make you, can, you guys can all breathe a sigh of relief. Okay, we're not taking up an offering. Is this? We're not. And, and, and you know one of the reasons why I think, well, one, I have a lot of friends who are pastors. They're so afraid to talk about money, you guys. We're all, we're really afraid to talk about money. You know why? Because we know that chances are you probably felt controlled or manipulated in regards to your finances before and that's not a burden we want to lay on you Um, but in this season I just want to share what Jesus said in the Bible and then leave that up to you and your relationship to him to sort that through is that okay Matthew chapter 6 verse 19 through 21 says do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth Where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. You know what what God's treasures are? Souls. Where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Notice it doesn't say that where your heart is, your treasure will be. That means the new age line that says, just follow your heart and money will follow you, is, is, it goes against what Christ is saying here. He's saying, actually, wherever you put your money, your heart's going to follow. Some of us are having trouble with our devotion to Jesus because we're holding back our money from Him. So let's pray. Father, was that too much? Y'all, okay. It was a lot. I feel like a dee, 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 dee. I like backed up a dump truck just like... blah. Could we have a real church? Could we have like an authentic move of God? Could we have an Acts 2, verse 42 through 47 expression? Could the dead be raised? Could the blind see? Could the deaf hear? Could the lame walk? Could the poor have the gospel preached to them? Could we see an unprecedented harvest of souls in Nashville and the nations? Could we commission missionaries? Could we burn with passion for Jesus for our whole lives that when we're gathering in here and all of our grandkids are in here doing what we're doing right now and we're all sitting in the, we'll probably need a bigger space, but we'll all be sitting in the back with our canes and our walkers and be like, yeah, we started that with Jesus. We may not have two nickels to rub together. But you know what? We'll, we'll have treasures that are laid up in heaven. And then some of us, you know, some of us might be multimillionaires following God. Yeah? I hope so. We need you guys. In Jesus' name, we bless and cover this word. And, you know, God, we just ask that whatever's pure, whatever's good whatever's kind, whatever's real, whatever's true, Lord, that we would think upon these things. And we don't entertain anything that you're not speaking to us, anything you're not trying to say. We're, we're really seeking after you, God. And so we want to ask you to help us. Have mercy on us as we seek after you, as we pursue you, God. Help us. Help us uh, to understand what you're saying and, and what you want to do here. In Jesus' name. And everyone said amen, amen and amen.